What is going on, everybody? Hope everybody's enjoying this nice seasonal change. If you guys are anywhere near eastern Pennsylvania or anywhere on the east coast, honestly, uh, lot it's definitely hoodie weather. So if you guys are familiar with hoodie weather, uh, anybody who's listening in Texas, Florida, or California, uh, pretty sure you guys don't know what hoodie weather is, but uh, in eastern Pennsylvania or anywhere near the bottom between Philadelphia and New York City. I'm pretty pretty close to right in the center of those two cities. Uh, it's definitely hoodie weather out there. Going through some fall changes. Uh, there was a high of 80 in my town. And today there's a high of 50. So 30 degree difference within two days. Very interesting. At first I want to apologize to all of you. Uh, the parlay that I picked for you guys was an absolute disaster. Uh, nothing hit. There, It was a 12-leg parlay. Uh, two of the legs were uh, tonight's uh, Monday night football game. They haven't happened yet. 0 for 10. All 10 of them did not hit. Uh, I did one large bet this week instead of betting a lot of small ones. Uh, that clearly did not work out. So if any of you put money on that parlay, I apologize. Uh, I put $2 on it. Uh, with a $4,300 return uh, based on the, the, the parlay odds for the 12 leg. Uh, but that was a disaster. Uh, once again, I apologize. But uh, for all you listeners out there, uh, there's always another There's always another bet. You can always win money. Uh, there's always another bet. Hopefully, I can make one for us to win. Uh, not just you guys out there, but me as well. All right, so let's hop, let's hop in. Uh, this is the Week 6 Recap Show. Uh, for the NFL, uh, we're through week six already. The football season is flying by, people. It is flying by. Another great slate of games. Unfortunately, a lot of my predictions did not come true. I've been pretty decent on my picks so far. Uh, this week was a disaster, like I've mentioned multiple times. Uh, but let's hop right in with our London game. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars defeat the Dolphins tw- uh, 23-20. Uh, big... Uh, Three key people out for the Dolphins, uh, all downfield threats and 50-50 ball wide receivers for Tua, who made his return this week. Uh, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Preston Williams all out of this game. Uh, Tua used a decent amount of tight ends. I think it was three different tight ends uh, and used his running backs a little bit as well, uh, which he got bailed out a lot with. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked good in this game. Uh, probably the best game he's looked all season. Uh, had a had a costly fumble and a very weird-looking ball that he threw. Uh, not near anyone, yet they did not call intentional grounding, which uh, if you guys are familiar with any referee issues we are having this season, I'm not surprised. Uh, all the referees are absolutely awful uh, this year so far. So if you're a referee and you're listening to this, I apologize, but figure it out. So... One thing I definitely, so the Jags got their first win of the season. Uh, Very happy for them and their fan base. Uh, Not a fun time if you're following a football team that is winless or or any sports team that you avidly follow on a yearly, weekly, whatever basis. It's not fun uh, when you're winless uh, and your team looks awful. It's not fun. They played well in this game. Uh, the first leg of the parlay, right? Miami minus three looked pretty good up until about 10 minutes left in the game where multiple things happened where the Dolphins offense did not play well. The kicker, who was just recently called up, Matthew Wright, for the Jags, hit a 54-yard field goal with a little less than four minutes left. 
They got the ball back, and then he hit a 53-yarder to win the game at the buzzer. So, great win. Uh, The Jags always play decent in London. Bad part on me for not realizing that before I made bets on the parlay. Uh, But if I would have hit that one, then I would have only had one win versus zero. And in a parlay obstacle event, that does not help at all. You need to win them all. So, yeah, not not the best, but... uh, Congrats to the Jags fans. Uh, They get a win. You cannot go winless. You cannot be the Lions of recent years, and you cannot be the Browns of recent years. So, good job. Moving on. Unfortunately, the Packers defeated the Bears 24-14. The Packers look pretty decent. This game was very low, extremely low scoring in the first half. I was watching just the updates while the Vikings game was on at 1 o'clock. As per usual, we will go over that game last Uh, But the Packers won, needed the Bears to win for the Vikings to jump a game up in the NFC North. Uh, That realistic possibility that I hold on to that they could win the division uh, slowly slipping away. But uh, Green Bay's playing well. They look balanced. Aaron Rodgers didn't even have to throw for 200 yards. And they rushed for 154. Uh, Like I mentioned multiple times on the podcast, and my true feeling in my heart is that moving forward, A.J. Dillon... Uh, and Aaron Jones are going to have a a split back role uh, where it's it's clearly working. So I'm not, I wouldn't mess with it if it's clearly working. Both of them don't seem like they're disgruntled in terms of the snaps that they're receiving. AJ Dillon obviously wouldn't because he's getting more. Uh, but Aaron Jones looks pretty content as well. He's running hard. He's fresher. So good on them uh, for figuring out a way to stay balanced. Uh, another weak performance here by Justin Fields. He, he it, The learning curve is going to take a lot longer than people think. So if you're a Bears fan, uh, he had 174 yards passing, a little over 50% completion with a touchdown and a pick. It's just It just doesn't look all there yet. And against a Packers defense who outperformed everything that they look, that they look like in terms of skill players on the defense, now – the question you need to ask yourself is, was this more of a Packers defense playing well or a Bears defense just being off or Bears offense just being awful? Uh, probably a little bit of a combination of both. They had uh, Justin Fields thought he had a free play through a huge 60 yard bomb down the field where no one was there except the safety. Uh, so he just caught it in the end zone and ran out of the back of the end zone for a pick. Uh, that This stuff's going to happen and, and Immediate results with rookie quarterbacks is a lot to ask for. And it's hard to be in that spot because they traded up and gave up a lot of value for Justin Fields, then committed fully to Andy Dalton, then committed fully to Justin Fields. So it's almost like they committed. They're going back and forth. It's like a tug of war. So uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that. The Bears team themselves, the defense looks good still. Uh, Their kicking game and special teams have been good, and Justin Fields continues to show promise, even though the the return on their investment isn't going to be instantaneous. Next, uh, the Lions finally are not able to claw their way back. The Bengals defeat the Lions 34-11 in Detroit. Um, The Bengals tamed the Lions today. It was, that's just, that's just it, and is Cincinnati the biggest surprise team? And by surprise team, I don't mean teams that we thought were just going to be awful and they're good. What about teams that we thought were going to be good, but they're actually awful? So I, teams that come to my head right now, the Browns, uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals, the fact that they're still undefeated, 
We have other, uh, like the, the Seahawks, uh, big, bigger disappointment than what we expected. There's there's some teams out there now. Are, are, are the Bengals the biggest surprise out of all of them? And I would say yes. The capability, people's argument would probably be Arizona for being the biggest surprise, the fact that they're undefeated. With the moves they made in the offseason, I'm not really surprised that the Arizona Cardinals are 6-0. and I'm not really surprised at all. Now, Cincinnati, on one hand, I saw their defense before the season started. I was doing a lot of this. I was doing a lot of digging before we did our di- the, the, the divisional recaps uh, for the podcast, and I was doing a lot of digging on rosters and, and, and acquisitions, draft picks, stuff like that. It didn't look like the Cincinnati defense was, was going to be able to do pretty much anything. They've dealt with as many injuries as, as some very, like some other teams in this league. And they're still coming out and they're holding teams to, to less than 30, any team to less than 30 points. Now, they should come out and tame the Lions. They should come out and beat them. They're, they're a better team, uh, more quality team. They have more skilled players at each position. So that I'm not surprised with. The fact that they were able to do this against solid teams as well is, is what I'm most surprised about. Joe, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase look amazing. Uh, Joe Burrow likes using his bigger tight ends as well. They have some depth at wide receiver that they can use uh, in Cincinnati. So I, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy that Joe Burrow has been able to come back from this injury and been able to play like this. I made a comment not too long ago uh, to not only on the podcast but overall is that this is a, t- a comeback player of the year is a two two man race. It's Dak Prescott against Joe Burrow. And let's see which one lasts longer in terms of their performance to the end of the season and what the baseline was. If people expected Joe Burrow to be way worse, he might end up winning it. But if they expected him to do as good as Dak, I don't think that their team at the end of the season is going to be where the Cowboys are in terms of the playoffs, record, statistics, uh, what have you. Next on the list, the Colts defeat the Texans 31-3. Carson Wentz just did enough to win this game. T.Y. Hilton comes back. Uh, He did get dinged up. I will talk about that in the injury segment, uh, but we're not going to go into huge injuries. I want to wait and see what what I can get in terms of info uh, because if I go over injuries today, it could change in 30 seconds. So uh, we're going to – that episode will either come out Wednesday – uh, afternoon slash night or Thursday afternoon slash night, but he was dinged up. He made his return and then got dinged up. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, great game again. 83-yard run set the record for Indianapolis Colt running backs in terms of a single longest rush uh, with 83 yards. Did not score, but did have two touchdowns as well. No, no problems from Wentz in terms of turning the ball over, which has always been his faux pas uh, in terms of playing football. So, the thing that I really take away from this is that Carson Wentz is not going to be, should not be expected to throw the ball 50 times and for 450 yards for them to win games. Uh, it's obviously the Texans. Uh, so I, th- I thought they'd give it a little bit better of a, a chance than this for them to be within four touchdowns uh, of the Colts. But uh, the Colts defense showed up and they showed up big. Uh, biggest reason, uh, probably Darius Leonard. He's a great linebacker. Uh, I love him. I love his tape. Uh, great effort guy. Similar to like a Fred Warner 
on the on the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, ball hawk guy. He goes everywhere. Can play the run. Can can go drop back in coverage. He can blitz. Very good to see. And if Carson Wentz can play like this in games, the the games that his defense shows up, it's going to be hard to beat the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be extremely hard to beat them especially if if Carson Wentz is not making mistakes. Now, his completion percentage is a little bit low. It's always been a little low. I've watched him uh, his entire career with the Eagles. Uh, they're the local team uh, in my area, so they're always on TV. I know a lot of Eagles fans. I've watched a lot of games. Carson Wentz, is the he always wants to make a bigger play than he needs to. Uh, so for him to accept a role in throwing less footballs and having a running game to be able to carry him as well as a defense to keep them up in games is going to be the best in terms of his overall play and overall performance looking better if he does that on any other team um, not any other team but if he does that for let's say some of the Eagles teams he's played for in the past they never really had a running game that could that could stack up against what they have in Indianapolis where he is now so I'm not surprised that they came out and blew out the Texans. Davis Mills reverted back to a very bad. I don't understand how uh, he can beat Belichick uh, pretty much all day and having a wonderful day, and then all of a sudden it just is gone from the Colts, although that that was now on tape, so they probably saw something the Texans were doing. He doesn't really have that much help besides Brandon Cooks. Honestly, uh, Mark Ingram hasn't been able to run the football. They haven't been able to block for him to run the football. They have Brandon Cooks and who else? You you got to be bailed out as a quarterback uh, so that you can rely on some of these good brand name players to come out and make catches for you. You can't be dropping passes, uh, not running the right routes, uh, what have you. You you can't be doing it, Uh, especially if your quarterback needs confidence to continue growth and development. Moving on to... The Rams destroying the Giants, 38-11. to Daniel Jones stinks again. Now, this is against a top-five defense, so I'm not, I'm not surprised. Uh, he took that lick against the Cowboys. He looked like he was wooed. He looked like he was still concussed in this game. He made a lot of bad throws. They're good defense. Uh, the offensive line for the Giants is terrible. They can't protect him. He has little to no rushing help with Saquon out this week as well. So I'm not surprised in the performance by the Giants. Sterling Shepard came back, caught 10 catches for, uh, caught 10 balls for 76 yards. Sterling Shepard's not running go routes. He's your underneath, kind of like your Jarvis Landry slot guy who's going to get you the first down, get you the hard-earned runs, and 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 be able to give you, give your football team Enough to move the chains. He's Sterling Shepard's not going out averaging twenty yards a catch. That's that's not what he does. Uh, so they don't have that big body wide receiver to go down the field. Kenny Galladay's ding, uh, dinged up. Evan Ingram, uh, I think he's trying too hard in these football games. Honestly, it seems like he's overrunning routes. Too much effort. Too much think thinking involved. And and he's got a lot on his plate considering most of his wide receivers that he has to to bounce off of in terms of targets, in terms of target share, what have you. They've been dinged up. 
So he he's trying to absorb some of these targets, absorb some of this responsibility, and I don't think that he's handling it very well, honestly. So uh, Stafford and Cooper Cup stay hot again. I, it's very it's so confusing to me why people think Matt Stafford was not a good quarterback and the Lions had no reasoning. Uh, so the Detroit Lions did not affect how good or bad Matt Stafford looked. That's basically what some people are saying, which is absolutely ridiculous. That team was awful for a very long time. A very long time. Whenever you have a team within your division that you consider an automatic win, you know that team is not good. And that's what the Lions have been. Not in the past three years because the Vikings have struggled as well, but the previous 10 years before that, they were an automatic win. Considered an automatic win. Now, I never consider anything an automatic win in the NFL, but a lot of people do in terms of how they look at sports, how they project games, how they look at teams. But Matt Stafford looks so good, and if they're in any other division besides the division they're currently in, they're the best team in the NFC. But they're not because the Cardinals are absolutely on fire. But moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs, 31, Washington football team, 13. How about the Kansas City defense showing up? That's awesome. Awesome. Now, few things to note. Uh, the Washington football team did not play very well. They had a lot of key drops from their wide receivers. So the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs looked a little little inflated. But they did play better. The effort was there. The play calling looked like it was there. What we need to talk about is I'm sick of talking about the Kansas City defense where people say they're absolutely awful. Okay, we get it. Uh, but the offense is a problem. And it is a problem in two huge sectors. Number one, why are all the Kansas City Chiefs pass catchers dropping passes? All of them. Hard, Michael Hardman, Tyree Kill. I watched Travis Kelsey drop a ball he never drops. Never. Now, he was dinged up in this game as well. More to come on him. Uh, halfway through the week when we have the injury segment, but they Patrick Mahomes cannot be Superman every game. He is going to lose motivation in these and subconsciously lose motivation in these football games. When he knows that his defense plays horrible 90% of the time, your offensive playmakers and your quarterback are going to lose motivation to keep themselves in football games. It's mentally and physically exhausting. Think about it. You actually, you actually have to carry a football team where there's 22 people and only 11 of them count. So 50% of your people are already not helping you win. And that's 50% offense, 50% defense. That's forgetting about special teams, which I will never do. Sorry about all the special teamers out there. But for this argument, let's make it easy, even numbers. It's, it's ridiculous. And I don't know what else they can do. I literally don't know what else they can do. The defense doesn't look good. I don't think the play calling has been good. I blame most of it on the play calling. I don't think Spags is calling a good defensive game. Now, the offensive play calling has also been a bit off, uh, which is what I want to talk about next. They just seem a little off. Patrick Mahomes threw a very bad interception. First one, tipped off of Tyreek Hill's hands, not on him. Second one, in the grasp, just chucks the ball in the air. That is not a decision Patrick Mahomes normally makes. 
which leads me to believe that he's trying to overcompensate for a defense that he does not trust or possibly play calling that he thinks is not good enough. Now, Patrick Mahomes has the ability to audible out of things, but he can't just call. I don't think he's calling all his own plays. Like against Andy Reid, like Andy Reid calls a run and he calls a shotgun pass. Like, I don't think that's what's going on. I think it's Andy buzzes into him and goes, yo, here's three plays. What do you what do you like right now? Just call the best one. And then Patrick Mahomes adjusts at the line. That's what I think's happening. But what if he doesn't like any of the three plays? And what if that's a continuous issue? If there might be some resentment there, this might be a bit of an overreaction, but their offense just doesn't look like it's clicking. Now, their rushing offense looked good as well in this game. Surprisingly enough against a very good defensive front that's been very overrated up until this point, but it doesn't mean that they don't have skills on the Washington football team defensive front. So they were able to get some holes. Like I said to most Chiefs fans and all football fans, the Chiefs do not need to go out and and spend multiple millions of dollars and draft picks and capital on another running back when they have two halves of a perfect running back. Darrell Williams is good, and Jarek McKinnon can do anything in the pass game and sweep-wise around the outside that Darrell Williams doesn't feel comfortable doing or isn't that good at doing based on his skill set. So this game is the way Chiefs games need to go. Now, if their defense could keep them in games and Mahomes doesn't make bad passes and weird interceptions, this game should have been 45-6. to six. But it was a little bit closer based on some mistakes that I don't foresee happening for the rest of the season for the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't sleep on them. Don't just count them out now that they're 3-3. Three and three. Next on the list, the Ravens destroy the Chargers 34-6. to six. This is the Chargers' first stinker. And it's, it's a little eye-opening because I was a bit surprised watching the game update and the stats on the bottom of the screen. So... The rushing attack for the Ravens typically carries them in football games, but Lamar's been playing better in terms of throwing the football. So it was a bit surprising to see him not rush for that many yards on a lot of attempts for him, not throw the ball well, have two interceptions, and they win by 28? I was interesting. So I looked at the stat line, two two Justin Tucker field goals, three rushing touchdowns, and he threw a short pass to Mark Andrews. I'm not really surprised anymore. That sounds just like the Ravens. Uh, Am I missing something? Uh, Their defense controlled the Chargers, didn't allow them to do pretty much anything. Herbert had less than 200 yards. I think the leading receiver for the Chargers was Keenan Allen at five receptions for 50 yards. They just didn't look. They couldn't run the ball because they were down by too much to start. I think they ran the ball 12 times for 26 yards as a team. You're not going to win football games like that. That's ridiculous. Now, don't overreact to the Chargers' one loss. They're still okay. They're still in tied for the lead in that division with the Raiders currently. But you don't. the Ravens are a good team defensively and, and, and a, when they're able to rush the football successfully. Now, if you're relying on the Ravens to only throw the football – you still have the ability of Lamar Jackson running for 70-yard touchdowns almost on every drop back. But they're going to be a hard team to face. And these teams have not met for the last time. This looks like a pretty decent – it looks like a pretty good chance of these teams meeting in the playoffs. 
And if they don't, then there's got to be some diabolical reason as to why it didn't happen. Next, the Cardinals. I mentioned them a few times before. The Cardinals, 37. The Browns, 14. The Cardinals are capital R, capital E, capital A, capital L. The Cardinals are real, people. Take it. Take notes. This game was thirty mile an hour, twenty to thirty mile an hour wins. Kyler threw for four touchdowns. The Browns' defense is top three, and they got embarrassed. The Browns got embarrassed. Baker dinged up in this game. Uh, it, I can't believe. That Baker Mayfield came back in this game. He left with a shoulder injury based on the way he fell. I believe it was on a QB hit after he threw got rid of a football. It, it looked like his whole shoulder dislocated. I'll have more updates on him, uh, as well as Kareem Hunt, who got carted off the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, we'll, t- we'll take a look at those two, especially on the Wednesday episode, the injury episode. But let's talk about something no one's talking about. The Cardinals running attack. James Conner and Chase Edmonds combo is pretty amazing. I thought for sure there was not a chance in hell that they were going to be able to rush for 100 yards against the Browns defense. They almost did it in the first half. It was un- it's unbelievable. The, the those two as a combo, you would never go out and draft in a first second round of a fantasy team, but they're a good combo. It's similar to like a Zeke Tony Pollard where Chase Edmonds carries your stuff outside, uh, takes pitches, does some sweeps, where James Conner does more of the dirty work between the tackles. I like it. I like the way it looks. And if they can rush the ball like that and throw the ball like that, that's extremely impressive and will definitely help them in a deep playoff run. One thing I did see, though, to keep you guys in the loop is, is Odell Beckham going to request a trade? Now, I don't think they'll trade him at the deadline uh, because I think the cap hits too high. It's really weird how his – I think he's under contract for the rest of this year and next year, uh, but I'm I'm, I'm hearing things on the on the online blogs. Uh, I'm hearing things that he wants, to, he wants out, and I don't blame him for wanting out only because he's in the wrong offensive system. For Baker, for Baker Mayfield to rely mostly on running and – throw the ball not so many times down the field he's in the wrong system and I don't think they're running the plays Odell wants to run in terms of how he wants to play football now that's nothing against Odell and that's nothing against the play calling of the Browns but this needed to be looked at before he was signed by the by the general manager or okayed by the head coach or anything like you knew that Odell was not going to run he was not going to run block and be happy with it he wants to catch 50-50 balls on the sideline and use his skills. I don't blame him. I just think that this was overlooked as how much of an issue it could be when they were looking for a wide receiver for that team. Let's see where he ends up. Now, there's a lot of places he could go. I'm not going to speculate on that now until we know that it's going to happen because it's still up in the air. But uh, there's a lot of teams that could use an Odell Beckham Jr., uh, but there's a decent amount of those teams that I don't know want to pay Odell Beckham Jr. based on his deflated stats in a offense that's not using him to his full his full skills. 
They're not using him as much as his as potential warrants. So his stats don't look good. Therefore, teams won't offer him the money he wants. Therefore, it's going to take a long time or more time than you would expect for a team to buy in and take a chance on OBJ. Next on the list, the Raiders beat the Broncos after the John Gruden fiasco. Take that, John Gruden. They don't need you. 34 to 24. A couple of uh, some of that uh, caused in garbage time for the Broncos. They did not look good today. Derek Carr against a very good secondary looked amazing. Two touchdown passes, beautiful passes, 300 over 340 yards. Very good. Uh, very impressed with the underrated wide receivers for the Las Vegas Raiders in Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, and Brian Edwards. They are doing everything they need to do to allow Derek Carr to continue his amazing beginning to this season. Uh, like I said before, when we went over the Chargers, still tied for the lead in that division at 4-2. and two. Uh, The Broncos and the Chiefs at 3-3, three and three, so very competitive division uh, that hasn't had a lot of games against each other so far, so... I'm like I said just previously, a very impressed by Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, and Brian Edwards, and Darren Waller as well. They have a lot of weapons on that team, uh, and they now need to realize what life is after John Gruden. A lot of players on this team are linked with him. A lot of them. He handpicked a lot of them. It's a big deal to to an avid sports player uh, to be handpicked by a coach. Brought up by that coach, and then that coach leaves. Sometimes it's a lot, a lot of culture shock with not having that person in the locker room, not having that person have your back. Uh, but some of the things that he has done and said may warrant a change in terms of how people view him. Uh, we're not going to get political about John Gruden on this episode. This is a recap episode, but just pointing out the obvious that there. Maybe a few players that want out based on the fact that they can't handle he's gone. Uh, but Darren Waller was one of those players, and he's still playing highly competitively. And based on what he said to the media, it seems like he's still motivated to press on, even with the um, the firing slash resignation of John Gruden. Next, one of the best games of the week, the Cowboys beat the Patriots 35-29 in overtime. Dalton Schultz and CeeDee Lamb come up big in this game. Dak Prescott over 440 yards passing. Uh, just want to go over, a, uh, if, if you guys did not catch the game, didn't see any of the recaps, the highlight recaps. Uh, Mac Jones throws a pick to Trayvon Diggs. Uh, tip ball in the middle of the field. Uh, not so much time left in the game. I think it was about three minutes left in the game. Uh, maybe a little more, but it was definitely late into the fourth quarter. Uh, pick six to Trayvon Diggs. Then the Patriots get the ball back. Mac Jones double move on Trayvon Diggs. First play, they get the ball back. He hits Kendrick Bourne for a 75-yard touchdown pass. Beautiful pass. Uh, safety uh, on the play overruns the ball. Leaves Kendrick Bourne wide open. Burns everyone up the field. Amazing. Uh Goes into overtime. Patriots have to punt. Dak gets the ball. C.D. Lamb on a, I think it was a third and one. They were getting close to field goal range, but I don't think they were quite there. I think they were at about the 40 of the Patriots. 
So into enemy territory, but not too far, too far into enemy territory. Hits C.D. Lamb at the end. C.D. Lamb wide open on this play action pass. Uh, just basically walks in. Great game to watch. Um, I did miss a decent amount of the middle. I was eating dinner in the middle of that game. Uh, I think it was a 425 Eastern Standard Time start. Uh, so it was about 630 by the time I flipped it back on. So I did miss a big chunk of that game. However, uh, what I did see and what I can project that I missed is that the Patriots have a problem. Uh, Bill Belichick's defense is super suspect. Now, you would say that because it's Dallas's offense, yeah, I get that. I understand that. But he's supposed to be a defensive coach, and even if they don't have Tom Brady anymore, whether you call him the GOAT or you don't, he never really helped Brady in terms of weapons that often, uh, and his defense was always good. So the fact that their defense isn't that good uh, and their offense seems to be straggling around trying to keep them in football games, I'm not worried about Mac Jones. I'm not really concerned about Mac Jones that that much. I think he's going to be okay. You're, he has the ability to get to maybe an eight to top eight to top ten quarterback, probably going to hover between 12 and 15. Similar to your Kirk Cousins type quarterbacks, but I'm not really concerned with with the with the Patriots offense. I think that they got a lot of free agents, and even with all the time that they spent in training camp, uh, in mini camps, and the off season programs, preseason, and up until this point in the season, it still takes a decent amount of actual real time games for all of them to click based on a lot of those free agents, similar to where the way the Vikings defense operated with all of these new free agents. Uh, the first few games didn't look really good. Uh, weeks one through three, and then weeks four through six, all of a sudden, they look a lot better. Now, you can say opponents, your opponent's skill level is obviously a part of that, but you just can see the cohesion between the players when you watch a football game. It's almost obvious to avid football fans. So I'm not really concerned about that. I do think the Cowboys are a little overrated. Now, I'm not the biggest Cowboys fan. You guys know that. But I think they're a little inflated. Uh, They did beat teams in the NFC East. They're not good. Uh, They destroyed the Giants. The Giants are not a good team. So... They play teams that are subpar. Now, the Vikings have a bye week. We'll get to them in a minute. But uh, they do play in Minnesota in two weeks uh, on Halloween night. So we'll see what comes of that. Since the last time we played them, we lost on a last-second touchdown slash field goal. So that, that that's all I have to say about that team. Basically, to take from that game is the Patriots' defense looks suspect, and I think the Cowboys' offense is suspect based on who they've been playing. Uh, that's what that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Last night's game, the Sunday night game, the Steelers come out on top, 23, uh, Seahawks 20. They win by a field goal in overtime. Big Ben had one pass for more than 12 yards down the field, so he threw the ball in the air more than 12 yards once. I'm not surprised. If I give you that statistic, are you surprised? He can't move. Their offensive line is took a lot of hits in in free agency. They they had some people leave. They they had some cap issues. 
Uh, Juju's out for the year now. That's his biggest check down, uh, which is why if any of you own Najee Harris in fantasy, you're seeing a lot of his points inflated. Uh, he is now the king of the check down, and he was part of it to begin this season, but Juju was that little farther down the field check down versus Najee behind the line of scrimmage. This just rolls into this. Uh, Najee Harris is carrying that offense. Hit the threat of him throwing the ball is a, or sorry, the threat of Najee Harris running the ball successfully is just enough for Big Ben to be semi-successful with checkdowns and short routes. So, and that they're stacking the box because they know Big Ben can't throw the ball down the field successfully at a decent clip. So Najee Harris is carrying that team. The defense looks okay. I thought I thought that they would be a little better, uh, especially through the first five weeks with some of the opponents they've played. So I don't know, I don't know what's going on in Pittsburgh, uh, but it doesn't look like your typical Pittsburgh Steelers team. Now I would say sixty percent of that is Big Ben, not being mobile, not being mobile enough to at least shuffle in the pocket. It's similar to like your Eli Manning when you saw Green when he was playing at the end of his career and he would never run, even for like five yards. With There's nobody within 20 yards of him. He could slide between a player gets within five yards of him. So he's just got to figure out how to make himself more mobile. And you can tell that Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, is trying so hard to call plays based on how mobile Ben is. And it's sad because you're limiting the playbook. You're literally throwing plays out, in which case a quarterback needs to be mobile in the pocket. Every quarterback is mobile in the pocket. They're not all Lamar Jackson, but they can at least shuffle around the pressure to get the ball to their receiver. Big Ben can't even do that. So it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And what did I tell you guys on the preview show? Don't trust Geno Smith. Geno Smith is not good. He, 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 you looked at him in the pocket. He, he doesn't look like he even has a grasp of what's happening. Uh, Alex Collins, great day on the ground with Chris Carson out, over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. But you could see the, you could see the stat line. You don't even have to look at what Geno Smith did at quarterback. Just look at the receptions and the targets at the on the for the wide receivers. You can tell. You can tell that that's not what the, the Seahawks are. They should have multiple big plays down the field, at least attempts down the field, uh, creating big plays for Lockett and Metcalf, creating big plays for some of their tight ends that can catch the ball very well, might I add. And and Gino didn't even attempt to run that often. So, like, what is Gino? Nothing, nothing good comes from Gino Smith. Nothing good comes from Gino Smith. All right, finally, we get to the best, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Vikings fan, but the best game to watch on the 1 o'clock slate in terms of close game, uh, big plays, and what have you. Minnesota Vikings win in overtime 34-28 to over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Kirk Cousins, great day, 373 yards passing, uh, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Uh, the O-line played very well, minus our uh, guard Ali Udo, who had five penalties out of the nine that we had total today. Penalties were a problem, uh, and I shouldn't say today. It was actually yesterday. But uh, the issue in this game, uh, and not only in this game, uh, but all, overall for the beginning of the season, uh, the Minnesota Vikings special teams units are awful, all of them. 
the kickoff coverage unit, the punt coverage unit. The only thing I would say who, who is not awful is the punter, Jordan Berry, that we got from Pittsburgh, who is a veteran. He's a great punter, a good, good guy. We were able to snag him and get rid of, uh, unload some of the money we were paying uh, our previous punter, uh, Britton Colquitt. So, listen, this, the special teams units are just, I can't I can't deal with any more missed field goals. I literally cannot. Just should have won the game at the end of regulation. Missed field goal. He missed another one before that. It's just not good. Touchback percentage is like around 50%. It's just... I don't know what it is. It's just and and they the Vikings can't play with a lead. We made Sam Darnold in the fourth quarter look like Joe Montana. It was unbelievable. And one other thing that we need to talk about before I get to anything else in terms of NFL football, I want to talk to you guys about the 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 guy who shows up to your house uh, while you're watching a football game, one of your friends or one of your family members, what have you, doesn't matter who it is, shows up to your house while the game's on and starts talking shit about how you're guaranteed going to win the football game and then all of a sudden the game's tied. Yeah, that's my dad this week. Uh, we were up 28-17 to 17 beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, he comes over my house and says, oh, there's no chance that, they can, that the Panthers can come back. Well, this is the NFL, and I've been a Vikings fan for too long to know that that's not true. So, uh, we gave up 11 points in, I think, a minute and 40 seconds. Uh, they tied the game. We got the ball back, I think, with 42. I was like 32 or 42 seconds left. Got the ball into field goal range. Great passes by Kirk Cousins to get us down there. Missed field goal. We get the ball first, go down. Kirk Cousins, great pass to K.J. Osborne. Gets the ball over the pylon for the game-winning touchdown. Uh, great for my birthday weekend. Birthday was on Saturday. Uh, great Sunday. Great Sunday game for the Vikings. And if you guys remember from the podcast, pretty sure I mentioned it uh, on the preview podcast, but the Vikings in the last seven years going into this week were 6-1 and one on my birthday weekend. Uh, so if my birthday was a, a Tuesday, the following Sunday uh, would be the Vikings' birthday game for me. Uh, they are now 7-1 and one in the past eight years, which is good for my birthday. I wish my birthday was every week, but it is not, unfortunately. Uh, but... This is this is the biggest thing is uh, the Panthers did not look good offensively. Sam Darnold looked like he was having huge problems, huge problems ever. Our defense is not top 10. Like, it's not that impressive. Even if they're all playing to their fullest capabilities, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are faster than every player on my defense. Every player. So there's no reason why Robbie Anderson had a lot of drops in this game. Darnold looked confused. The, Jonathan Vilma, who is probably one of the worst announcers for football games, uh, was saying, is it time to bench Sam Darnold? For who? P.J. Walker? The XFL star? Like, who are you benching? Like, you went out and signed him to his fifth-year option, and you're going to bench Sam Darnold? I don't think it's – I think it's a little bit of a confidence thing, but his his wide receivers aren't helping him out. His tight ends aren't helping him out. His running backs aren't helping him out in terms of catching – catchable footballs that's what you need to do is catch catchable footballs to help out your offense Christian McCaffrey going back on IR big deal Uh, Chuba Hubbard I like what I saw from him Christian McCaffrey's backup 
he, he looks good. A uh, few confidence things uh, that he'll get with more starts in the NFL. Uh, but he looked good running through. the. He runs hard through the tackles. Uh, between the tackles, he runs hard outside. Uh, he, he never stops churning his legs. So good to see him. Uh, come as a rookie, come out uh, and make an impact on that football team, even if it wasn't a loss. But the Vikings can't play with a lead, and it's it's this is going to happen in every game. Every single I've just expected to happen. The Vikings don't blow people out ever. It never happens. Now we don't typically give up eleven points in a minute or in fifty-seven seconds, but it typically is never a blowout. Now, my biggest concern moving forward is, number one, we have a bye week this week, which is not what I'm concerned about. Uh, So this coming week, the Vikings are on a bye. Uh, Week seven buys a little bit early. A lot of people talking to me, I thought that this was going to be a good time for a bye. Uh, But talking to a lot of people, I think I've changed my tune a bit uh, now, and I think it's a little too early, uh, and we might end up chugging along or trying to chug along uh, through the second half of the season late. But uh, after the bye week, we are home against Dallas on Halloween at Baltimore, then at the Chargers. Wow. (laughs) Wow. This is going to be amazing. So you're going to learn everything you need to learn about the Minnesota Vikings as a team by the end of this stretch. So we're going to be able to get healthy through the bye week. Let's try. Uh, Bad news about Patrick Peterson. He's on IR with a hamstring issue. We'll give you I'll give you guys an update on the injury podcast about him, but I just got that news to right before I started recording this podcast. Uh, I was told it was cramps and that's what under the assumption I had. Uh, that is not the issue. So uh, I'll have more of an update and more of a specific update on that uh, come Wednesday or Thursday. but we'll know everything we need to know about the Minnesota Vikings after they play the Chargers. That would be what week 10. So after week 10, we'll know where the Vikings stand and if their season's still able to be contended with or we're just going to be out. We'll know. All right, one last segment like I always do for you guys. Uh, The Monday Night Football Best Bets. So I'm going to give you uh, what I like for the game in terms of best bets. We're going to stick with the two bets that I had in the parlay uh, with the game over 53 total points between the two. Tennessee's defense is awful. Uh, Buffalo's offense is amazing. That just means there's going to be a lot of points scored. Derrick Henry uh, will be a factor in this game. How much, I do not know. The defense for the Buffalo Bills is relatively stout. So, uh, But Derrick Henry's a new animal. So I feel like even if they are able to stop Derrick Henry a little bit I think that the potential for garbage time score is going to be high and I can see Baltimore blowing them or sorry I can see Buffalo blowing Tennessee out of the water uh, to start this game so definitely over 53 I think the odds you have to take I don't like either side uh, with the spreads these this week clearly with my 0-10 parlay picks but I don't like the spread at minus six now if you're you handcuffing me to a table and making me pick I'll pick Buffalo minus six that they cover by a touchdown. There's a bigger chance of that than having Tennessee be about to tie the game and or win the game at the end of the fourth quarter. I don't see that as a high percentage option to pick. Uh, So I'll go Buffalo minus six. Now, two player bets that I really like. There's not a lot that I like for player yardage, player rush attempts, and what have you. I like to throw a few of these out for you guys on Monday Night Football. Uh, Makes it a little more interesting for if you're putting a little bit more money on it. It's a single bet, not a parlay. But uh, 
based on the fact that I can see this going south quickly for the Tennessee Titans, I do not like any of the... uh, Sorry, I shouldn't say any. I don't like a lot of the Buffalo Bills over or unders for receiving yards and receptions. I don't like them, but we'll throw two of them out here now. Derrick Henry over 14.5 receiving yards. Uh, there's a very good chance he catches the ball once or twice. Now let's hope that the average is at least seven and a half and you guys win that bet. And so do I. So we'll go over 14 and a half receiving yards for Derrick Henry. And I don't, I'm staying away from Emmanuel Sanders. He's very highly dependent on the touchdown and in the red zone. And Stefan Diggs has been very average so far so i see a potential for him to boom or bust in this game and i don't want to pick a side so let's go with gabriel davis over 13 and a half receiving yards gabriel davis is a very good route runner so i see if he's only going to catch two or three footballs i think it's going to be on a good route down the field so let's go with over 13 and a half receiving yards for gabriel davis and the and the buffalo bills all right, those are the four bets. Do with with do with do them what you will or what you may. Uh, you can bet on all of them. You can bet on some of them. Uh, based on my track record, I don't blame you if you don't even touch them, uh, which uh, I don't blame you because I was, I'm 0 for 10 so far. So that, that, that it's just I can't ap- apologize more to you guys for how piss poor those picks were. Uh, but there's always next week, so there's a very good potential for that. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. You know it is me, Cole Haight. I appreciate all of the support in terms of likes, shares, comments, uh, five-star reviews. If you could give me a review for my birthday, I would appreciate it. Don't need any money. Uh, Don't need anything from you guys except you listening to the podcast, which I 100% thank you for. I, I wouldn't I love talking to you guys I love talking sports and I appreciate all the comments that I've gotten from everyone listening whether it be uh, friends that I know personally uh, or anything that I've heard online what relatively uh, from anyone in terms of Facebook messages comments anything thank you so much for the support I appreciate it we have another podcast like I mentioned scheduled for Wednesday or Thursday uh, if anything changes on that, I'll try and throw a Facebook post out, but uh, try and have that out uh, Wednesday evening uh, for on most platforms. Uh, so wherever you listen, get ready for that going into a week seven, a wonderful week seven in the NFL. Uh, thank you once again. Appreciate it. Get ready for the podcast. Thank you for the support. Tell a friend. Tell a coworker, tell a family member, listen to the podcast, the All in Man Cave podcast. And like I always tell you guys, have a wonderful day. And until next time, peace.